So, how do you feel about church? About being part of Faith Church? I know from conversations, even in our very own household, that sometimes people come to church on Sunday mornings somewhat unwillingly, we should say. Maybe even during the week, some of the activities are attended out of a sense of duty or obligation or just tradition. I go because I always go. And there's something beautiful about that. But there's also something curious about that. Is it possible that maybe that indifference or that tradition could become the sense of anticipation and joy? It used to be that if someone was part of North American society, most people went to church, even if they didn't believe in God or believe in Jesus, it was just part of culture. But as I'm sure most of you know, that's becoming less and less true. It's becoming easier and easier to say, no, I'm done with church. Or there are many more than there used to be who are the nuns, those who have grown up without knowing anything about Jesus or about faith. That church has never been part of their lives. I have seen and read about young adults leaving the church as they encounter university and work and they think, the stuff that I learned in church really doesn't help me very much anymore. And I just don't see the relevance of church to my life. I've seen in other contexts, empty nesters leave after their kids are graduated out of catechism or Sunday school or the church programs, and they make, think it's easier and easier to stay home on a Sunday morning rather than come as a couple. I've seen people of many ages hurt by the church or by people in the church and decide that it's just too hard to keep coming so they stay away. Some of these people are rejecting God and Jesus, but some of them are staying faithful to God and Jesus, but they're rejecting the church. I hear some feedback, so I'm just gonna push it down a little bit, but hopefully it's okay. This is especially true during COVID. It's become easier and easier to participate online, or maybe sleep in, or check out a service here or there on a recording, and before you know it, things have just happened so that we're farther and farther away from fellowship with one another. In fact, I mean, some things we weren't even able to do, and so being part of a church took more intentionality than it used to. The fact that many people are opting out of worship services and church programs right now is causing a lot of anxiety among church leaders. I have read blogs, I have attended webinars, I even know of conferences where church leaders are asking these questions. What is going to happen to the church? What is going to happen to our church? These questions are understandable, especially for smaller communities where real questions have to be asked about finances and about staffing. I'm glad to say that at Faith, we aren't afraid 
well, I guess we are a little bit anxious. But we have been deliberate and explicit about saying to Jesus, this is your church, it's not ours. And so you are going to take care of the church. You are going to carry us into the future. We are sometimes sad. I'll speak for myself. I miss the people who have chosen not to reconnect with us, even though I only had six months of getting to know people in person. It was enough to form connections. And I miss seeing those of you who worship online. I'm thankful that you're there, but I miss being able to see your face and your body. I am also one of the people who loves church, that guy with the two thumbs up. And it's hard for me to imagine being a Christian without a community of faith. So I am sad when those, when people choose to walk away. I think that's true for many of the leaders in our church, and I'm thankful for that. We want passionate church lovers, followers of Jesus in leadership. We are also curious. Why does the church exist? Is it possible that people could continue to engage online and find that the church is effective in helping them in the ways they need to be helped? How are those who aren't participating in our programs connecting with Jesus? And is there a way for us to be part of that? We, as leaders, want to be creative. As we ask, why does the church exist? We want to ask, how can we get better at being church to accomplish these purposes? So this is my very long introduction to this new series, Why Church? I hope that through these next few weeks, we will learn why churches exist not just the big C church, but churches like ours, local congregations. I want us to get better at accomplishing the reasons for our existence. I hope that together we can reaffirm that we are faith church, so that being church and improving church, getting better, is everyone's job, not mine not the staffs, not even elders and deacons, but everybody's. We need your input. And ultimately, I hope that as we think about this, we might be able to move your feelings from one side of the scale a little bit closer towards the thumbs up anticipation side of the scale about church. But as we get into this, I want to acknowledge that you can, anyone, can be part of the Big C Church, God's one holy Catholic apostolic church, as the Apostles and Nicene Creed say, without being part of a lowercase c church. You're automatically a Big C Church person if you believe in Jesus and trust him. So it is possible. But it is the teaching of the Bible and my firm belief that God gives us, gives his church, the big C church, 
little churches as a gift. It is a gift. And it's a gift because churches get to help the church do God's mission. We, as a gathering in this congregation, get to help the big C church, which is made up of all of us, do God's mission. And what is God's mission? We'll talk about that more next week. But let me tell you, God's mission is to love and bless the world. He created the world in perfect relationship with himself, with one another, with creation, the the non-living, the non-human creation. And his deep desire and his plan is to restore all those relationships. And so the mission of God is to restore all things we get to be part of that. That is what the big C church and the little C churches are for. So then why is it good for us to get together? How is a church, let's say, like a cross-country team? Here's Jamin and Xander. They got to participate on Trinity's cross-country team this fall. Their coach, both of their coaches are even in this room right now. They could have run on their own. They could have even have done well or maybe even run, won the race. But how did that team help them be better? I saw that when runners were nervous, the team could come alongside and encourage and support them. Maybe like these two fellows in the middle who are looking a little scared. Or when they're running, there could be people cheering along the side. And I know that there were at that race, even though COVID restrictions limited the cheerers. I know that if any of these runners got hurt, The coaches, or probably even the fellow runners, would come alongside and do their best to help heal. I know that the coaches also were there to help teach skills about running, how to start the race, how to finish the race, how to keep going up a hill when you just want to fall. Maybe you have some other reasons why a team is better for a runner than trying to do it on your own. I suspect that Faith Church, for most of us, is like a cross-country team, helping us run the race as Christians. Still in my introduction, but I promise you the rest of it won't be terribly long. Two images from this book, reclaiming the C word, have stood out to me as I've been thinking about this series. One of them is this, and I apologize, they're simple and they're not particularly clear. Kelly A. Fryer, the author, suggests that the church's job is to draw people in, transform them, so that through them, God can change the world. So what we want to look at in this series is that middle transformation movement. What happens in here so that we can accomplish what God wants us to do out 
there. This is what this image suggests. As Friar looked at the early church, and that's where we're going to go next, she said, being the church out there made them want to come in here, to come together. And something about being together in here made the church just explode out there. So it's that pulling in and pushing out movement. How are we doing that? We have said for probably 20 years that faith has five core practices. So in the next few weeks, we're going to look at each one of them and explore how is that practice helping us with that major transformation movement that pushes us out effectively. The first one is build loving relationships, and we'll spend a few minutes talking about that today. Worship, inspiring worship to God. Offering our gifts for ministry. Going out and doing mission. Interesting, that word mission, when we also talk about the big mission of God. And then finally, I feel like this might be an all-encompassing one to spiritual transformation. How are we doing these and how do they help us accomplish God's mission? Okay. So I chose to talk about we build loving relationships. And in some ways, the whole New Testament is talking about how to do loving relationships. But it seemed good on the first day of this series to read the passage that Claire read for us. This classic picture of the first church. You may know the story. Before the passage that Claire read, we had the whole story of Jesus giving, being born, getting older, teaching, healing, suffering, dying, rising to life, and then ascending to heaven. And then 50 days or 10 days after his ascension, the Holy Spirit comes on power on Peter and James and John and all the disciples. They speak in different languages miraculously. Peter preaches this powerful sermon that brings 3,000 new people into God's church. And then we have this passage from Acts 2, which is familiar to many of us, giving this picture of the early church. And they loved being together. They were together every day. One of the first words in that passage is fellowship. I think it's there in every translation. But the Greek word is koinonia. We've talked as a staff whether the word fellowship is a good word because it's kind of Christianese. We don't see it or hear it anywhere except in the Bible or in church. But it's not even really what the Bible is getting at here. Koinonia is this intense communion. Sometimes the word is actually translated communion or participation, sharing. These people loved to be together. They ate together, they worshiped together, they prayed together and had Lord's Supper. They shared things if they were in need. 
it felt, it feels to me like when you look at that picture, there's no clear boundaries from one household to the next. They were one big, happy family. And why was that? Well, first of all, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they just enjoyed being together. But if you look at the rest of the book of Acts, you see that they were doing major things on God's mission. They were teaching the good news of Jesus. They were healing people the way Jesus had done. They were receiving persecution. They were being hurt and imprisoned for Jesus' sake. And so as much as they loved being together, they also needed to be together, to be strengthened and encouraged and convicted to stay with what was important to them. It's a beautiful picture, and I'm sure it was messy. So I ask you, what might koinonia the full range of fellowship, getting together, loving relationships, as we put it, look like at Faith Church. And I want to tell you about an acronym that we've been throwing around as elders and home church leaders. It's not that pretty, but let me tell you that at Faith, caring for one another is more than just talk. It's talk. T-A-L-C. When we talk about relationships, we talk about tangible assistance, accountability, listening and prayer, and connection. And in the real koinonia sense, I pray that every one of these things goes beyond what you might discover or encounter at a social club. So let me say something about each one. And I will say that I don't think that we experience loving relationships necessarily in this talk order, T-A-L-C. I think for most of us, connection is often the first and critical aspect of loving relationships. When we come to church on a Sunday morning or go to youth group on Tuesday night or have a teen club event, we want to see someone who's glad to see us. We want to be able to have conversation with someone. We want to know that if we don't go, we can get a summary of what happened. I think maybe tangible assistance is something that the church is known for being good at amongst ourselves. When we're in trouble, we know where to go for help. We can expect a casserole when we move into town, like I did. When we have an appointment, we can likely find someone to take care of our child. If we need a Halloween costume, there are a dozen mothers to ask. If we're in the hospital or need to go to an appointment, someone might be willing to give us a ride. Here's where it starts getting beyond, for sure, what a non-Christian group can offer. The L is listening and prayer. Sure, we can find good listeners everywhere, 
Although I do think good listening is hard to find sometimes. But to follow up a conversation with, can I pray for you? Or to have a conversation and say, hey, how are things going? Like, what, what can I think about as I, about you as I go through my week? Is there something I can pray about? And then finally, accountability. I think this one is probably the one that we struggle with the most. As followers of Jesus, listening for his voice, are we continuing to be intentional about that, but also ask one another, hey, what are you hearing from God lately? And do you think that I could ask you if you actually followed through on that in one week? One of the gifts that I've had over the past year is to meet with a few pastors, and we, we asked that question, what has Jesus been saying to you? And last time I shared, one of my colleagues from Hamilton said, thanks for sharing that, Kara. Do you think I could follow up with you in a couple weeks just to make sure that you did what you think Jesus is telling you to do? It's incredible how helpful it was to get that question. And I can also imagine how scary it could be to ask that question of someone else, even one in a powerful, loving relationship. So, at Faith, our loving relationships are called to be more than just talk. They're called to be talk, T-A-L-C. And I believe that when we feel that we are connected with one another, as the early church was, fully supported and encouraged, we will be able to run the race that God has given us with greater energy, with maybe even greater speed, certainly a better heart, knowing that we are not alone. I had the honor of hearing from Inga a story about her and Peter and their experience over the past three months. And Inga has made a video to share with you. And so as you listen to her story, consider how loving relationships have been a powerful force and encouragement for them as they walked after Peter's accident. It's just Inga speaking, but here is a picture of Peter and Inga right after they returned home from the hospital, from the rehab center at Thanksgiving. He's got a t-shirt on that says, you've got this. Hi everyone, I'm Inga German. We are so happy to have Peter home. After 12 weeks in hospital and rehab, he has made an amazing recovery. Uh, thanks to prayers, hard work at rehab, and lots of tender loving care from his family and friends. When this accident first happened, it was really too much for me to handle. Uh, to be told my husband is now uh, unable to move anything but his head due to this uh, severe neurological injury. I prayed to God that everything was just too much for me and to give me peace and guidance in what to do and how to handle everything. 
about three nights later, I had this dream that I will never forget, and I do believe it's a dream from God. In the dream, I'm on a pier, much like the pier down at Spencer's. There's a storm there, and the storm has brought up stones, it's brought up rocks, and even boulders are on the pier. And I am climbing over all these rocks and stones and boulders in this storm. And when I finally get to land, I see this circle of Muskoka cheers sitting there, not touched at all by the storm. And I think, oh, here, this peace. Nothing happened here with the storm, and everybody is enjoying their life. So I really feel this was a dream that came from God to tell me that, yes, you are weathering a storm right now, but in time, you will have uh, peace and be able to enjoy your life with Peter again. After that, I felt peace most of the time, as long as I took care of myself, and I was then able to stay calm for Peter and the girls. Everything fell into place. Contractors were booked, but they postponed. Uh, they already booked work to come and work for us, as they really felt we needed this job done. Um, they even told me, too, that they prayed for Peter. All along, our home church group has been with us in prayer and in person. The four of them have helped us so much. They have really been amazing. They painted our garage. They put a shed together for us. They even brought me chocolates uh, when Peter was in ICU while we was Peter and I had our 35th wedding anniversary. They have just been the most amazing home church. <clears throat> so thank you all. And to you, our home church family, you gathered around us in prayer, and we are so thankful for every prayer and caring thoughts during this very difficult time. Peter and I really have felt surrounded by love and prayers from family, friends, and neighbors. We have received so many encouraging cards, email, texts that really help Peter and I keep our spirits up during this difficult time. We have had so many prayers answered, and thanks to you all. Thank you to the deacons for sending such a nice treat for Peter's homecoming. Thank you to the elders for your support, and Pastor Kara for your visit. It meant so much to us that you could come and visit with us with an encouraging message and prayers. Three months ago, I would never have thought that Peter would make such a miraculous recovery as he has now to the point where he can walk with a walker. So thank you all from the bottom of our heart. Thank you for all, and we are so uh, happy to be part of Faith Church. Thank you. I pray that
we do not have to experience that sort of accident to be able to experience the talk care of our church family. But I also pray that if we were to encounter some sort of tragic event, that we would be able to sustain it with the love and care of our church family and, of course, our miraculous healing God. We come together as a family, as a family that's connected by the Holy Spirit koinonia, fellowship of the saints. And so this meal is for all who desire to feel the nourishment and experience the grace of Jesus Christ. If you trust in him as your savior and want to grow in knowledge and righteousness and faith, you are welcome at this table. And so are the children that you care for. So let us pray together in thanksgiving. Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come to this table together as a family. We can't fit around this wooden table here on the platform, and yet in spirit we are united in our love of you. Thank you for the gift of the church, the body of Christ, the big C church, but thank you also for this lower case C church, Faith Mountainside. We lament that there are times when we don't feel the communion of the saints. We don't feel connection, much less assistance, much less listening and prayer or accountability. But God, you offer us a connection of relationship in itself, Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect harmony. And so we commit ourselves again to seeking that communion so that we might rejoice and run our together to fulfill your mission for us healing and announcing the good news of Jesus, which is restoration and healing for all. As we come to this table, we thank you, Father, for loving us, for making us part of your family, for creating us in magnificent diversity. We thank you, Jesus, you really are the host of this table. And so we thank you for welcoming us here. We thank you for your sacrifice that we remember in this meal. And Holy Spirit, you are the one who brings us all together. You dwelling in each one of us, dancing and swirling around us, filling this world wherever we have eyes to see. Unify us, Holy Spirit, even as we eat together and drink together today. May we be together in spirit. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. So, yes, please get your elements. Jesus celebrated a meal with his disciples just before he died. We think it might have been the Passover with unleavened bread, but we can imagine that for years they'd been celebrating meals together, and I'm not sure that they grasped that that meal was anything really different than all the others. Sometimes meals with Jesus are ordinary, just like this ordinary bread. Jesus took his bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. So eat in remembrance of me. And so I invite you to take your wafer, to take, remember and believe that Jesus gave his body for the salvation of all. After Jesus and his disciples were finished eating, Jesus took the wine that they had at every table and he poured it for his disciples. And he said, this cup is a remembrance in my body, my blood, the sacrifice I have given for you. So take and drink it. Remember that I have given my lifeblood for you. Please take, drink, and believe. Whether you celebrate with people in this church, with other Christians elsewhere, whether it's over wine or with frozen grape punch, I pray that you will remember our unity in Christ and that it will give you strength and nourishment for the journey. Please rise, hear this benediction from our God, and then we will sing a song celebrating our unity in Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.